My name is Mike Jones. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here today. And not just today, every day, huh? <laughs> I had to think about that. You, never, you ever say something that comes out of your mouth and you go, what? What? Well, hey, would you stand with me this morning? Get out your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to help yourself to one right over to this, uh, on the side here. Raise your hand and Mr. Uh, right, we'll bring you one. If you don't have a Bible of your own, consider it a gift from Cornerstone Church. Let's start with some uh, scripture reading this morning. I'm in the book of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. Very familiar passage, especially during Advent season. So Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. This is the third book in the New Testament, written by uh, Luke was a Gentile physician and an associate of Paul, probably right around A.D. 60. So let's read. Verse 26 it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Continuing in verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed with the Lord would do what he said. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you so much for being able to come into your house today, especially during this Advent season. Just reflect uh, on your love, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for uh, you are love, Lord, and you give love and you let your love flow through us to others. And so I just pray that you would uh, just give us ears to hear and hearts to respond today as we consider a very familiar story, Lord, and just look at it and, and through this lens uh, of your love to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And so my sermon today, it comes just prior to the angel's announcement to Mary and then in between verse 38 and 39 when Mary makes her way uh, to Elizabeth. So uh, let me start by just reminding you uh, about where we're at. We're talking in this Advent season we started last week. We're speaking about uh, four different topics, hope, love, joy, and peace. And so today we're just going to be considering God's love. You know, a few years ago, the Muppets uh, and CeeLo Green co-performed a Christmas song called All I Need Is Love, complete with a music video and in true Muppets form. I mean, how many Muppets fans do we have? 
Remember the Muppets? Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's full of action and humor, and all the favorites show up from Kermit, Fozzie, Miss Piggy to Pepe Gonzo, and all his chickens, and, and the rest, right? Uh, there's plenty of bling as CeeLo and his crew. They sing about all the Christmas presents that they would get, the fancy toys, latest technology, but uh, perhaps ironically, at its core, the song captures the true message of Christmas. See, the Muppets and CeeLo don't want all that stuff. All they want or need is love. And so, well, maybe all of them except Miss Piggy. She's always been quite the material pig, right? But uh, I'm sure that the Muppets never set out to make any grand theological statements with their song, but I think the song taps into the truth that all we need is love. More specifically, we need God's love. And so today as we celebrate together the second Sunday of our Advent uh, journey of God with us, we're celebrating God's love. See, when Jesus came into the world as a baby, he came as the human embodiment of God's love. Remember, Jesus was God in a bod. And so when he came, he showed us exactly God's character. God's, what would Jesus do in every, or excuse me, what would God do in each situation is what Jesus showed us. And most of all, he showed us God's love. So in a way, Jesus was love incarnate, right? And so if you weren't with us um, Last week, or if Advent is unfamiliar to, to you, let me briefly explain our journey towards Christmas. See, the word Advent means coming or arrival. And so this season is marked by expectation. It's marked by, by waiting and longing. It's, it's not just a, an extension of Christmas, but it's a season that links the past, present, and the future. See, it offers us an opportunity to reflect on the birth of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and not only looking back, but to also look forward into the future when he comes again. And so we celebrate the fulfillment of that hope when Christ came. And at the same time, we look forward with hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom. So during Advent, we wait, not only for Christmas to come, but it's an active assured, confident waiting because we know he will come again. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, we've already begun talking about a love song, but let's switch gears and start considering a love story. I mean, our culture is filled with both, is it not? Love stories and love songs. I mean, can, can you imagine if we could harness all of the creative power that has gone into writing uh, and, and, and singing about love throughout history? I mean, think about what you could do with all that creative energy. I mean, if we just started right now and then went, worked ourselves backwards through all the songs and movies and stories uh, through in our time and then move backwards through novels and poems and plays and epics and, and oral narratives, the list would go on and on. I, I think it would be almost inexhaustible the amount of energy that is put into talking and thinking and singing out about love. You know, maybe there's, there's something to that, though. Maybe that says something about our origins and about our creator and about our, our very essence that God built into us this, this need and this desire for love. And so I want us to think about Mary and Joseph's story 
as a love story today. We don't often think about it that way. It's a, it's a Christmas story. We, we've read those passages or heard it. Uh, we've seen it in, in Christmas plays, but I don't know that it's often portrayed as being a love story. But imagine yourself back in uh, the ancient dusty days of Israel under the Roman Empire in a small uh, village called Nazareth lives a carpenter named Joseph. He has a noble ancestry, as we just read in Luke chapter 1. He's distantly related to King David himself. He uh, lives a humble life working as a carpenter. There's a good chance that his dad was probably also a carpenter, and they just passed on that trade one generation to the next. Now, some scholars think that Joseph grew up in Bethlehem, which is why when the census was called, he had to report back there, right? Because that's where his family was originally from. But I think at some point, he must have moved to Nazareth, maybe because they needed a carpenter. Maybe it was like Parker. It was an up-and-coming town, and people were moving there, and they needed someone to build furniture and, and fix wagon wheels and help build houses and stuff. And so he moved there, and he started his business, okay? And so being a business owner, being a, a young, hardworking man, the Bible teaches us he has good character, I'm sure that he was an eligible bachelor. And then uh, the young girls in the town, is, but more importantly, their fathers, who would have been his customers, probably noticed this, right? And their, uh, their marriage customs back, there, back then were a lot different than they are today. And that they had a very, very prescribed set of legal guidelines. It was like three stages that they had to work through. Um, you'll probably think that they sound a little weird because it's not quite how we do it, do it here in America. But the first stage was a contract. They signed a contract. And then they consummated their marriage at some point in the future, and then they celebrated it. Okay? And so uh, Mary's father, the very first step in, in their love story, with Mary's father would have gone to Joseph to propose and arrange a marriage. A cash prize, like a dowry, would have been set. Maybe there was some other gifts that were included in it. But it would all be written in this contract, and then it would be signed. And at some point, Joseph and... Excuse me, at that point, Joseph and Mary were 100% married. She was his wife, and he was her husband. But they wouldn't consummate their marriage at that time. It might be year, a year later or... Years later, depending on how old they were, that they actually consummated their marriage and began living their life uh, together in one household. And so that's, uh, that's quite the different, different way of going about things, all right? But eventually, they grew to love one another. They, even though they didn't know each other that well, I imagine them spending time with one another. Maybe Joseph carved small wooden gifts for his wife. They ate and shared meals and different holidays together. And so as that contract was signed, I can just see them like, what are we getting into? <laughs> you know, imagine that. Imagine the nervousness and the excitement that they, they've probably felt. But with each day that passed after that, they learned more about each other, more about what made each other laugh, the challenges that they faced, and how they reacted and responded on these hard days, the strengths of their personalities that shone through, and their imperfections, as well as their hopes and their dreams and their fears, how many children they wanted to have one day, what kind of home Joseph could build for them. 
And I'm sure that they long for the time to come when they would be able to consummate their marriage. And so each day that passed, Joseph's and Mary's love for one another grew and grew and grew. So imagine the emotional bombshell that went off in Joseph's heart when he heard the news. Right? Imagine how he felt when he heard the news. Like, how could you marry? I, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to us? I thought you loved me like, like I loved you. We were doing this the right way, honoring God, our families, each other, and now this. Now, if you've ever experienced the betrayal of adultery or know someone who has, you know that it's devastating. It, it's crushing. I mean, the pain is, is visceral. It's like, it feels like someone blew a hole in your chest. And this was the, exactly how Joseph trust, uh, felt. This was the, the broken trust that, that just blew his heart wide open. And so when Mary came and told him the news that, that Joseph, I, I know this sounds crazy, but an angel visited me and told me I'm going to have a baby, right? And then the angel said his name will be Jesus, he will be great, he'll be the, called the Son of the Most High. He's the Messiah, Joseph. You have to believe me, it's, it's a miracle. But it's true because I'm pregnant, right? Maybe uh, Joseph tried to listen to those first words, right? The angel, the miracle, the Messiah, all this stuff. But you know the one word that he was actually focused on? Pregnant. <laughs> he, Joseph, like you and I, there's only, he knew there was only one way to get pregnant and he was doggone sure he had not been involved, right? And so he, uh, he didn't know what to do. And this was too much for Joseph. And we're, we're, we have to read between the lines a little bit here because we don't know how it all went down. Maybe he kind of walked away in silence, just broken and speechless, just tears. Maybe he shouted, maybe he slammed the door, just kind of stormed off. We don't know, but we know it didn't go smoothly because we read in verse 39 of Luke chapter 1 that Mary, she got away for a while. And I've never thought about it this way until looking at it here. I wonder if she went to visit her aunt just to get out of town for a little while. Because especially back in that day, being pregnant before you were married was, was especially taboo. And so I think she went to get out, uh, just to get out of town, get away from her family, friends. Then she didn't have to answer the questions before she started showing, right? She went to visit her aunt Elizabeth for three months and kind of re get a plan, figure out what to do next. And also perhaps to give Joseph time to reconsider his response and, and see if he would turn around. You know, I think it's, it's just this kind of crisis that threatens to destroy any good love story. Not only Mary and Joseph's, but maybe ours as well. Maybe you and your spouse or, or maybe you and God, you get into a crisis, Right? And then you start wondering, does God love me? <laughs> does God really love me? If he did, would he allow me to go through this? And so as we consider God's love today, I want to remind you of, of three things in reference to God's love. The first is that God is love. And if you're following along with me, you should notice that uh, on the screen behind me, I've prepared some, some slides, and those slides correspond with your bulletin. So if you want to kind of fill in some notes as you go, you should be able to do that. So the very first thing I want to remind us of is that God is love. 
Now, if you were watching a, like a movie version of Mary and Joseph's story, I'm guessing that this is probably the place where we start to pan out from Nazareth. We pan out wider and we start to see the, the landscape and we get up relatively high and now we can see the Mediterranean. We're up higher and higher and the horizon of the earth begins to appear and we move on past past the, 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 the planets and out beyond the solar system to the galaxy and even farther beyond that, we pan as far out into this infinite expansion of space beyond uh, light and time themselves and we find in that moment a presence, God's presence and in the nature of that presence is just love. John wrote it simply and best in 1 John 4, 16, saying, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. He said, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And so we see John teaching us that this is the nature of our God. He's love in its purest form. See, love was there at the center of God's creative forces that made the universe, that formed people in his image and to be in relationship with him. His love was there when people fell into sin and rebellion. And despite those catastrophic consequences, he was there shepherding Adam and Eve and making a way for them and preparing a a path to redemption for us. I don't know if you know it or not, but Jesus was destined to die on that cross, the Bible teaches us that Jesus, before time began, before humanity was created, before life itself is created, Jesus was destined to die on that cross to be our redemption. And so, in Mary and Joseph's love story, love was taking the form of humanity in the form of Jesus. Love is God with us. And love would be with Mary and Joseph and care for them and provide for them everything that they need. I think at this point, especially in Mary and Joseph's story, and maybe this is true in your story today, the real test of any love, whether it be God's love or the love that you have between you and your spouse or you and your children, you and your parents, is this. Is love enough? Is God's love enough? Is it deep enough? Is it strong enough? Is it wide enough? Can it get me through X, Y, or Z from the trivial to the catastrophic? That's really the question. When you and I get in a pinch like Mary and Joseph were, the question that's really behind all of those feelings is, is God's love enough? How many of you know today that God's love is enough. His love never fails. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're in a very difficult situation, maybe you have conflict uh, in your marriage like Mary and Joseph did. Maybe you have a conflict with a parent or a grandparent or a a sibling or a child or a grandchild. You have some sort of conflict. And just as Greg said earlier, you know what? At the Christmas time, when everybody kind of gathers for holidays, a lot of that stuff starts to come to the surface because you start thinking, do I really want to go where they're going to be? They're going to be at grandma's house. I'm going to be there. There's a lot of stuff unsaid, a lot of things we haven't worked out. I don't know, you know. 
And this is the time when, if, if there was ever a time during the year when we sh- can, should allow God's awesome, powerful, creative love to work a new work in our hearts and in their hearts. And I tell you, if you're hesitating to talk to somebody, I would, I would make it a matter of prayer. I was going to say, if you're the older one in the situation, you take initiative. If you're the more mature one, if you've been serving God longer than that other person, then you take initiative to make that phone call, to arrange that coffee date and say, you know what, it's been a while since we talked. Can we work this out? Can we work this out? Because I'll tell you, if you allow God's love to get into that situation, His love never fails. It never fails. My love fails. Your love fails. It has a limit, does it not? When you get in a pinch and someone hurts you, immediately your love it's you, it, whether it be at that second or just sometime in the near future, all of a sudden a line is drawn in the sand and you say, I can't go any farther. I can't love anymore. I can't give anymore, especially when you're not getting anything in return. But God's love isn't like that. God, God never draws a line in the sand. He never says, oh, you've gone too far. That situation is too broken. I can't fix it. Call Dr. Phil. Maybe he can help. Right? God never draws a line in the sand. Think about your dumbest, most sinful moment in your life. If you ever need a moment or a reason to praise God, it should be that he never drew a line and said, you've done too much. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. Amen. If you don't know that kind of a love, oh, you need to come and, and, and share, talk with me. And I'll just keep walking you through scriptures and answering questions because God's, God is love. And he was there for Mary and Joseph. His love was enough, as we know in the story, it brought them back together. And let's, so let's continue that story, because the second thought is this, is that God gives love. Not only it, He is love, but He gives love too. Look at Mary, as we read that story in verse uh, 39 of chapter 1, we see her going off to her Aunt Elizabeth's house, and I imagine the, the road that, that trip couldn't have been easy. I don't know if she made that trip by herself. It doesn't tell us in scriptures. But I imagine that it would have been a, a, a trip where her head just was swirling. Have you ever had that? Um, where you, you, take a, you, you go through a really difficult situation and you just take a drive. You ever done that? Just take a drive? Or for some of us guys, you hop on your riding lawnmower and you just like... <laughs> You just like mow, or you get the blower out. I'm a big like tool guy. You get the leaf blower out because it's loud and nobody can talk to you. And if they do, you just kind of pretend like, 
you know, I can't hear you, my blower's on. But you do, I do some of my best thinking on the lawnmower. Do any other guys do that? I do my best thinking. Thank you, Evan. You know what I'm talking about. Right. And so I just imagine her making her way on that, on that journey, and her head is just filled with all sorts of thoughts. She's just processing. I mean, she can replay those conversations word for word in her head. She sees the pain and confusion in Joseph's eyes over and over. The disbelief, the confusion from her family, and then the hope and the words that were promised by the angel. And so she knew the truth, but would everyone else? What was going to happen to her? I just can see a lot of these questions floating around in her mind. But as soon as she arrived we're at Elizabeth's house, she was greeted with love. Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Can you imagine Mary's relief? At that kind of greeting? I mean, think about it. What's the natural response from people in that situation? They want to know what happened. Like, tell, explain this to me. They want all the details, okay? Very rarely, this should be a lesson to us, very rarely are hurting people greeted with that kind of a love. Usually they're greeted with some sort of, well, you tell me your story and then I'll decide if I should love you or not. Because maybe you're at fault here and maybe I should really come down. You know, Elizabeth, she didn't really even know the story and she just embraced. First, embrace, work it out, second, right? How many people's lives would be different if we greeted people the same way? Think about your relationship with God. When you came to God, did he say, okay, first tell me your story and then I'll decide if I greet you with love? Not at all. He loved you just as you were, like that old hymn says, just as I am. He took you just like you were, loved you, and then he started working it out. And I think it's a wonderful thing for us to consider, especially at this holiday season, I brought it up earlier, I'll bring it up again. You may have family, you may have friends, you may have conflicts, and you know what? They might be wrong. But I think you should greet them just like Elizabeth did. Open arms, come on, I love you, let's work it out, let's go move on from there. Joseph, his needs were a little different, Right? His needs were a little different. He was back in Nazareth in his pain, his confusion. He decided he was going to divorce Mary because the pain was too much. He couldn't believe what was happening. He could have legally taken Mary to the courts. He could have had her stoned, right? But because he was a good man, he just couldn't bring himself to that action. So he decided to divorce her quietly, to not make a public disgrace of her. And that's when God intervened. God sent Joseph, an angel. God sent him exactly what he needed. 
He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from his sin, from their sins. God knew exactly where to meet Joseph. He knew exactly what was at the center of all Joseph's thoughts and it was fear. And God gave Joseph the reassurance he needed to trust Mary's story, to trust that his love was working through this situation, and ultimately to trust God to make a way in their amazing, unbelievable, dangerous, supernatural, and ultimately triumphant love story that was looking like nothing either one of them could have ever imagined. Yesterday in the daily Bible reading, if you're still doing that with me, um, I happen to read the psalm for that, and I probably will preach a a sermon on this at some point in the future. But I read in Psalm 127 that unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Have you ever read that verse before? Unless the Lord protects a city, the guards stand and watch in vain, right? And I just thought about this in reference. You know, Mary and Joseph... They, 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 had, they were legally married, and then they had this time between marriage and consummation, right, that they were just getting to know each other. And I just imagine they had worked out this plan, just like all of us do before we, you know, we're going to live here. Where should our kids go to school? You know, what, what, do you want a boy or a girl for a zoo well, Whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they were working out this, this plan, and God took the plan Flush it down the toilet, right? God took the plan and totally rearranged it. And I thought, you know, how many of us are just, just like them? We get this plan for our family, for our career. We get this plan and, and, and God just comes along or circumstances come along and just wipe it out. Because you know what? It says, unless the Lord builds your home, unless the Lord is building your career, they labor in vain. I kind of pictured it as in people laying the foundation of a basement. And and if you just take cement blocks and stack them on top of each other, you could make a nice looking wall. But if you don't have the cement in the cracks, it's going to fall down, right? And I kind of figure that when God builds your home, when God builds your marriage, when God builds your life, your career, your whatever you fill in the blank, it's like he's putting in that cement in the cracks and he gives you that strength and that stability to be established. And so I see that here in their story. It's God giving them love, God building their lives in a way they never, ever anticipated. And so they chose love. They chose trust, even though they could have gone a different direction. And I think that, especially in Joseph's case, him choosing to believe the angel's report, choosing to trust God, choosing to love Mary, despite what the law said he could do, despite what the law said he could stone her, I think that is a beautiful reflection of God's love for us. I keep coming, bringing you back to that, because I want that firmly planted in your mind today. Joseph could have had her punished, but he didn't. And think about God's relationship with us. Our sins, they don't deserve God's love. And yet, he gave us what we don't deserve. He loved us. He chose us. 
even at the terrible price of his son's life. John 3.16 tells us that it was because of God's love that he sent Jesus to earth to give his life for us. Let's look at that last point. First is that God is love. That's his very, it's just his nature. It's just who he is. The second is he gives love. Gives it to us. And the last thought is that, you know what? Sometimes God uses us to give love to others. His love flows through us. See, like any true God-written love story, Mary and Joseph's love didn't end with themselves. I heard someone once say that, uh, like, don't be a pond, be a stream. You know, a pond, all the water just stays in one spot and it tends to stagnate, right? But with a stream or a river, the love, the, or the, the water continues to move through. And I think the same thing is true with us. There's a lot of people who receive God's love, but it just sits in them. And they never do give it away. And so this morning, I want to remind us to allow God's love to flow through us this Advent season. I mean, think about Mary and Joseph for just a second and all of the things that, that they experienced together, the, the long journey to Bethlehem, the seemingly desperate night with Mary ready to give birth or there's no place to, to even rest, uh, the birth and the first cry of the Messiah as they held him in their arms, they were in that stable. Then the joy of others, the shepherds, the wise men, the prophets in the temple, the angelic visits, the warnings to flee to another country and then come back from Egypt. All of these things that they experienced. Imagine the inside knowledge that they had about God's plan. A plan that nobody even knew about other than them. And I'm not sure that they even fully understand it, understood it. And yet, even with all this knowledge, they chose to live with open hands, trusting and living out the miraculous love that had been given to them. And so in this Advent season, we have the opportunity to reflect on how we can do the same. How can God's love flow through us? I think we're trying to accomplish that with our season of outreach boards as we pray and we give and we serve and we turn our attention not just to ourselves and what we can get, but what we can do for others, right? Jesus taught us in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The ability to let God's love flow through us only happens as we open up and receive God's love for ourselves, and then open up to others and extend kindness and grace. This is coming back again to working things out in our relationships. That's a very practical, very simple way that we can, we can let God's love flow through us. And sometimes that's a small step. Other times it is a huge leap, right? It seems like the longer that we have let relational stuff fester, the harder it is to come back and say, you know, let's work this out. It, sometimes it takes a, a leap, but through it all, we can trust and know that God's love is holding you, holding me, helping us and empowering us as we continue to build good relationships with him and with others. I'd like to leave you with one last scripture as the worship team comes. We're going to sing one last song. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 
through 19. Paul writes, and this is my prayer for you this morning. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Would you stand as I pray for you and then we'll sing together as we go. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, I just come before you with this beautiful congregation. Lord, I'm so thankful for each and every one of them, Lord. Especially as I've gotten to know them and just appreciate their strengths and just who you've made them. It's easy to love such wonderful people, God. But Lord, we know that we especially at our worst, are not the easiest to love. And yet you chose to love us. You chose to send Jesus to be born, have a humble beginning, and ultimately live and die on that cross. We thank you for his sacrifice. We remember the love that was poured out for us. We remember that we can love you because you first loved us, Lord. And so I pray that today these words would sink into our hearts as we just remember your nature and how you've loved us, Lord, that we would open our hearts to allow that love to flow through us to others. Help us work out those relationships that need help, need adjustment, maybe some tuning up, whether it be in our marriages or with our children. Lord, break down those walls, break down those barriers, break down those disagreements and those places where we just are having a rough go of it right now. Just like Mary and Joseph were, help us to work it through. If you if you got to send an angel to do it, do it, Lord. Just soften our hearts. Help us to respond like Mary and Joseph did. We thank you that you are God with us. Help us as we pray and give and serve during this Advent season. Use our efforts, our prayers, however brief, our giving, however small, Our service, however insignificant it may seem to us, Lord, use it to build your kingdom and allow people to draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.